hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash Clips, the original comedy soundcast soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcasts. And now, filling in for host Tyson Sainer, here is Suckatash executive producer... Mark Mark Hershon. Yes, Mark Hershon. All right, that's enough, guys. Please uh, pipe down now. These voices are driving me crazy. Salutan. And this is not your regular host, Tyson Saner, this time around, but former host, executive producer, and folding plastic room divider, Mark Hershon. That's right. I'll be filling in for Tyson for this, and maybe another one or two episodes as well, because Mr. and Mrs. Saner are welcoming their first baby into the world. Congratulations from all of us here at Succotash to all of you saners, old and new, up in Humboldt County in Northern California. Tyson needed to take some time away from his duties as host of this show, and I volunteered to step in for a bit, so here I am. If you'd like to pass along your congratulations to Tyson, feel free to ping him on Twitter at RevT23, or you can email him at Tyson, T-Y-S-O-N, at Succotash Show. Dot com. That's S-U-C-C-O-T-A-S-H-S-H-O-W.com. You can even call our toll-full Skype line and leave them a cheery message at 1-818-921-7212. If you don't recognize my voice, that's okay. I started Succotash back in 2012, and after seven years of hosting this show, stepped away from the microphone almost exactly a year ago to make way for Tyson to take the reins. I've been in the background as executive producer, posting the shows online, handling all our social media stuff, and I've been busy trying to get a couple of other new projects off the ground too. But if you're new to Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, this is where we feature snippets from other people's comedy soundcasts. Some people still call them podcasts. In fact, pretty much everybody calls them podcasts, in order to let you know what's going on out there in the incredibly crowded field of soundcasting. We're kind of like a Whitman sampler of rich, chewy soundcast goodness. This episode will be featuring clips from Armchair Expert, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, Dave Hill's podcast Incident, The Smartest Man in the World, What a Time to Be Alive, and The Young and the Weary. Succotash is brought to you by Henderson's Pants, new toddler trousers, and TrumpPoetry.com. One segment we won't be featuring this episode, and may not be for the foreseeable future, is our long-running Burst O'Durst with political comedian and social commentator Will Durst. Will's been doing these segments for years, literally, out of the goodness of his heart, and he's taken a much-needed hiatus. And he's not sure if it's worth coming back. We can't afford to pay him for his excellent commentaries because, well, we don't have any paying sponsors. We are totally listener-supported, but no one clicks on our donate button at SuckatashShow.com or clicks on the Amazon banner at the top of the same page or buys any of our merch from our Suckatashery. So we would love to keep bringing you Will's amazing take on the political and social landscape, but the Suckatash coffers are empty. If you'd like to hear more Durst, let us know at Durst, D-U-R-S-T, at SuckatashShow.com. And if and or until he rejoins us on Suckatash, you can always check him out at his website at WillDurst.com. All right, enough of that. Let's get into the clippage, shall we? 
of the things I do, one of my side jams, if you will, besides executive produced Suckatash, is providing weekly reviews to Vulture.com's This Week in Comedy Podcasts. That online column used to be one of Splitsider.com's columns, but when Splitsider was bought by Vulture last year, all of us reviewers made the jump over there too. Well, recently I've reviewed several episodes of the relatively new Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend soundcast, and it's pretty damned entertaining. The setup is that Conan's been hosting his TV talk show for a really long time, but he's never really taken the time to make friends with any of his celebrity guests. Well, this soundcast is meant to be the cure for that. Recently, however, Conan had an actual friend on the show, none other than Adam Sandler. They've known each other for over 30 years. They were on Saturday Night Live together, and they even live in the same neighborhood in Los Angeles. In this snippet, they talk about their approaches to dealing with audiences. I I have to tell you, I get so nervous for my audience. If I'm going to do a show... Oh, yeah. uh, And, you know, the show that I'm doing now is pretty clean, but some of the comics work pretty blue. I'm pretty clean, but, you know... Yeah, it happens. But 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 it's just they're hilarious and they're doing some blue stuff and some of it can be pretty filthy and they're talking about real stuff. Right. And uh, just before the show, every now and then, people will come to me in the green room or the the dressing room and it'll be like, "This is uh, O'Connor. It's your wife's parents' oh, yeah. oldest friends, the Ditherworths." <laughs> and they'll come right. by and they'll be like, "We just came by and we oh, bought tickets yeah. and we're gonna be right up front." <laughs> When the girl sings about abortion, you know, and you're, you're, and I'm horrified and I want to protect them and get them out of there. And I'm worried the whole time and you Uh, can't do that. And then sometimes afterwards they're just like, oh, I love the girl with the abortion. You know, they they will. That's funny, man. I, I'm, if I hear the wrong persons in the crowd, I'll have times where I'm ready to, ready. I'm in a good mood. You know how you find yourself in the right mood? Yep. You're like, oh, I'm going to be good tonight because I'm, I'm feeling like. Uh, myself and nothing's yep. making me nuts. And then all of a sudden somebody goes, so-and-so is here. And you just like, and your whole mood changes. Yep. I get like that because of what I'm talking about. And uh, I don't want to know who's I don't there. like knowing either. Yeah. Right. I, I, I used to be so nuts that when I was first doing stand up, I would never look out before the, I'd hide before a show. You know, it wasn't like a famous thing. I was just like, I don't want to see who's there. I would look into the lights while I was on stage. I didn't want to know who was not laughing or laughing or who was yep. judging me. And now I'm so happy. I literally will meet the crowd before the... I'll, I'll get so anxious to meet them. The lights are still up while they're filing in and then I'll walk out and be like, here we go. And then they'll be like, is that Adam? Oh, wow. I wouldn't do that. I'm weird. I'm weird. It makes me feel more comfortable. Or I'm superstitious about seeing them beforehand, but I'm curious. Yeah. When you watch your own Netflix special... There's a camera that's showing these massive audiences, massive. Yeah. And, you know, it just looks like there's a couple, there's thousands of people in there. Right. Now you can see someone in, way in the back go decide to go use the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know me. Yeah, I'm like I'm that. crazy enough that I'd be like, really? Yeah, oh yeah. That easy, yeah. you can't hold it in? I know. For me? I know. You can't, you, that's how crazy I am. Yeah, I'm, oh, really? I'm, you, where are you going? I, when someone gets you, up yeah. and leaves and goes, I mean, there's a bunch of places I've played where they can go and get drinks in the lobby. And, right, yeah. And I'm just like, really? Now you're getting you, the you, drink. You need, a, you need a Michelob light right now? I used to bring uh, Norm, Spade, Schneider, uh, Swartzen, all these guys on the tours, and they would do long each time, and, and they were doing 20. 25 minutes each. And then when I got up there, the crowd was so uh, needing to go to the bathroom 
that I, it, would, it would throw my rhythm off. And the you first. became their bathroom break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just like makes you crazy. Exactly. But you know what's funny is no one understands. They they don't think Adam Sandler would ever think about that. They oh, think you're in a different place. They I don't know. know. You are going to notice. Well, it's it's. I wish I wish we could handle it better. The nights I nights I, I'm light about it. I'm funnier. The nights that I get tense and jumpy. I had a manager when I was like 19 and I was at the comic strip and I was on stage and he saw me do well. And then he came back a week later, he brought people to see me and I did, I didn't do well. I, I ate it like for 10 straight minutes. And, uh, I, I came off and I was like, on this crowd, blah, blah, blah. And he said, uh, you didn't, uh, you didn't seem like you were last week. Last week, it looked like I, you were having fun up there. You were getting mad. Uh, you were yelling at that person for doing something. And, and, uh, and I was very, sensitive back then if i saw a crowd member not enjoying if i got a laugh with the you know most of the crowd and somebody didn't laugh i'd I'd always jump on that guy what's the matter buddy all right can i get you something you know i was psychotic yeah 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 it's so much easier just to ignore it and let that guy come to you eventually and uh the nights i do that it's a great show the nights i can't do that i mean there when you do these giant theaters or giant arenas and stuff, and they pay the most uh, to be in the front row, yep. a lot of times they're not your, your best audience. No, member. no. And, and that's the only ones you see, and you're so mad at these guys for just being stiff, and they're mad at you for charging so much money for those seats. <laughs> so there's a, little, uh, there's a little friction. You can find Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, which is executive produced, by the way, by Super Ego's Matt Gorley over at Earwolf. And as most of the shows featured here on Succotash Go, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, the Laughable app, Spotify, and bunches of other places. I'm not going to tell you that every time, by the way. Just take it as given for the shows and the clips you're going to hear today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Plus, you can visit the blog entry for this very episode on our home site at SuccotashShow.com. Click on the title for each soundcast. You'll be taken right to their home site or reasonable facsimile, where you can pick up any of the episodes of their shows. Dave Hill is a quintuple threat, comedian, actor, writer, musician, and radio-slash-soundcast host. He originally hails from Columbus, Ohio, but is more in New York these days, where he puts out his Dave Hill's podcasting incident whenever he can. This past week, he was out in my neck of the woods for the San Francisco Sketch Fest, which I was also doing. But our paths did not cross, alas. Nonetheless, we have a clip from his latest drop, Epi 99, featuring another multi-hyphenate, Sarah Hartshorn, who is a writer, comedian, former America's top model contestant as well. And in this clip, she and Dave talk about her modeling in Germany and wearing a dirndl. I mainly picked this snippet so I could say the word dirndl. You've had an amazing uh, like path modeling yeah. to comedy. yeah. Those seem like two very, I mean, I've admittedly not done the the modeling part, but those are two hard jobs. Yeah. If you were to pick like a third, it would be like surgeon. (laughs) Oh man, I would be so bad at that. Uh, Truly catastrophically bad at that. (laughs) Um, But that would be amazing. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah, it's, I was just talking. to someone about how they are similar and different. I mean, it's it's all freelance. That's similar, right? And so it's like That's gig to true. gig. Um, but when yeah. with modeling, though, you bring the hammer. Like when you, like, if you're mod, is modeling strikes me as a sort of all or nothing thing. Like you're either 
making money or you're not like if you're modeling um, or can you you can make a living i i had day jobs the first couple years um but then you, yeah because it, it also depends on what kind of modeling you're doing so i was plus size and now plus size models have a lot more opportunities in like high fashion like edit you know they're in like vogue and l but when i was doing it that was only sort of just starting to be true so i did catalogs I did mm-hmm. a lot of German catalogs. Uh, really? Yeah, German lingerie. I, I, I actually, it was very weird. I like, I got a European agent. I did, and they sent me to a bunch of gigs in, in Germany. Oh, that's awesome. It was great. It was amazing. And I never would have gone to Germany if it hadn't been for these jobs. So I got to like, yeah, explore all these German do you, cities. Do you love Germany? I do now, yeah. I'm, I'm very, I love Germany. I love Germany. I only went to Berlin once. I want to go like as a, I want to go as like a tourist and actually go because I only was there. I had like one day, mm-hmm. but it was amazing. Yeah, I went to Munich and Frankfurt, Hamburg, Nuremberg, Stuttgart, and this one tiny town where there was a company that shot, and I can't remember what it was called, but it was like really little. Um, but yeah, I, I cornered a very specific market. I was doing catalogs, and I started doing lingerie catalogs, and then I became the go-to model for Oktoberfest plus-size lingerie catalogs. Oh <laughs> so my I've gosh. worn like that's the jackpot. It was like, amazing. If I were a woman, that would be the jackpot uh, for yeah. modeling. Durndles and later Hosen. I've worn hundreds of Durndles. Really? And yeah, hun- I mean, probably so hundreds. So is yeah. Durndle, is that the St. Pauli girl? Like, yeah. So, oh the, my gosh. The apron and the, the white the, the white shirt. Um, and That's yeah. incredible. And later Hosen are the men's, it's the men's shorts, but now women wear them to like be sexy. So I could see that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But that's the weird thing about Germany. Like the, I've been to Germany a few times and been maybe in like a dozen cities. And I thought which i i'm guessing maybe a lot of people think like americans and stuff that i thought it would be i was like oh it's going to be awesome there's going to be it's going to be oktoberfest everywhere all the the time yeah you get there and it's not like that at all what a letdown but oh man really good meat yeah like all all meat i thought i thought it would just be like sausage i was like it's just gonna be like schnitzel and like weird pork things but oh they make the best rotisserie chicken i've ever had was i got off the street in nuremberg it was the, oh it was so good yeah and they like, do it right yeah oh wait so so you would wear did, did they have you like with the big mugs of beer too sometimes it depends it's funny i was just talking about my first ever shoot there and it wasn't lingerie it was just regular oktoberfest like clothes like like costumes that i mean they're not costumes they're like you know like like uh historically accurate yeah or like or like modern takes on it you know mm-hmm. um lucy good girl lie down we're talking about dir- what are they called a uh, dirndls dirndls yeah. i never knew that yeah the shirt is the called something else but i forget what it is but dirndl is like the apron thing that like pushes up your boobs you like tie it under and then yeah, and then there's a skirt. Traditionally, there's a really long skirt, but now some usually they wear like shorter ones. And like the Paul, you know, the, the Saint Pauli girl is like it's a short skirt look. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> so it was very specific. And my first, yeah, I thought it would be Oktoberfest all the time, but we shot it in like I think it was like March or something because you know they got to get the catalog already and stuff. Yeah. Check out Dave Hill's podcasting incident wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded, including his home site clickable from our site, SuccotashShow.com. 
Well, I figured it was high time to revisit the smartest man in the world. The soundcast from past Succotash guest Greg Proops, best known perhaps from Whose Line Is It Anyway? He's also a personal friend and improv cast member with yours truly. That's right. We've tread the boards together. And I think he's one of the fastest, funniest people around. In this clip, Greg and his wife Jennifer soundcast from their Fortress of Proopitude. And in this sniplet, they get into some old Hollywood lore and hijinks. I don't the know. Topics I, I, at think, hand. I think people might be wanting a little bit of entertainment <laughs> right now. I might want to hear a little bit about. So Jennifer and I are friends with an actress in England. And um, uh, she was in a picture with Ava Gardner. And her name is Linda Marlowe. Oh, and she's a marvelous actress. She's, yeah, she's one of Burkhoff's leads. Uh, Stephen Burkhoff, the great playwright and um, filmmaker, uh, who, by the way, I just saw it was the anniversary of... Uh, she introduced uh, us to Ellen Bates. She introduced us to Ellen Bates at a restaurant in Edinburgh, and, London. In no, London, in London. In London. But, I mean, that was just so Linda. Like, she just knows everyone and was this cool cat of the 60s and 70s. I mean, she gave up the cigarettes, but until she did, she rolled her own smokes. And she could stand on her head. She took up acrobatics at 60. And learned Spanish at 70 or whatever. Anyway, like, there's no telling how great Linda Marlowe is. And gorgeous, right? She weighs about Stunning. 85 pounds. She could crush her. I, I remember uh, we were at uh, the opera house. And she, we were sitting next to her. And she turned to me and said, feel my thigh. Yeah. Well, and I yeah. did, and I was like, oh, my God, it's a rock. No, no. Like, she was like Jacqueline. She's amazing. Yeah, Kirk Douglas. Just um, Wasn't she with us at Josie's um, gig where Josie was conducting? Yeah, that, that's... Right. Yeah. That was in Covent Garden. That was great fun. We went to Jay Sheik and had uh, seafood, and we saw Linda. But it, the point of my Linda story is this. Yes, Greg? <laughs> uh, Linda told us while we were having dinner at one of these various affairs... That she was in a picture with Ava Gardner. And uh, they were shooting in Mexico. Was it Mexico? Somewhere uncomfortable. I don't mean Mexico means uncomfortable. I just meant it was an uncomfortable shoot in so much as. There was no air conditioning. The conditions were not perfect. And these were actresses uh, forced to deal with adversity. And particularly Ava Gardner, who had certainly had a long in August. And they were having a smoke and a drink in her uh, caravan, as it were, after hours. And Ava Gardner expressed to her her... um, unease with the situation and said I don't dig how they they're treating me on this set I don't like the catering I don't like she didn't have any air conditioning she she says I'm dying in the goddamn heat here and um, Linda said and she turned to me and said I'm going to call Frank (laughs) and so she rang Frank in the States I don't know what year this picture was my guess is late 60s early 70s it was early 70s early 70s knowing Mm -hmm. knowing so well after oh, she was divorced they, from Sinatra. They were married in the early 50s during From Here to Eternity. So she was still calling him well, But as you know, Frank Sinatra interfered favors. in every ex-wife's life until the end of time. Well, as a manic, depressive gangster. Mia Farrow, would. Ava Gardner, like there was no one he... Yeah. And Barbara just passed, pushed she on last year, was it? over 100. Yeah, so she she phoned Frank... And the next day, yeah, like it was, it the was Earth moved. Yeah, inconceivably, somehow, in the middle of nowhere, she had air conditioning. Some crop shoot. My recollection it was it was like a cliff on a beach in Mexico. 
the next day there was catering. There was air conditioning. <laughs> there was a lobster thermidor buffet. There was champagne. He had made a call that had scared the filmmakers. Yeah, to death. To death. Like, let's scare Jessica to death. <laughs> Another 70s horror movie. Yeah. Um, Frank made that call. And uh, that story excited us quite a lot. Want more Proops? Click on over to gregproops.com or take a gander at any of the popular Soundcast dispensaries online. Stitcher, the Laughable app, iTunes, or what have you. And now it's time for our sponsor. Friends, at Henderson's Pants, we've noticed that adults, teens, and children are not the only ones wearing the pants in the family these days. Believe it or not, even little babies are fond of wearing a well-tailored pant now and again. But up until now, they were limited in their selection of lower body garments in that most of what is available are simply just baby pants. Baggy, shapeless, and with little to show off that fast-developing physique. Henderson's is proud to introduce Henderson's Toddler Trousers. These slick slacks are the kind of infant wear that can make even the most preoccupied paste eaters sit up and take notice. The extra layers of material in the knee and buttock help to assure hours of comfortable crawling and soft landings for when baby goes boom. And the bit of extra give in the crotch keeps your tyke from that most unsightly of sandbox no-nos, the dreaded diaper toe. Isn't it about time for Junior to crawl out in comfort and style? Henderson's toddler trousers come in a variety of luxurious fabrics, the kind found in the finest men's suits on the market today. But Henderson's serge, corduroy, and linen stock has been married with state-of-the-art polyfiber blends, which not only assure years of durable wear, but enough stretchability that today's baby will still be wearing those spiffy duds when it comes time to accept his or her diploma as your now-adult offspring graduates from high school. Originally designed for use by Hollywood's little people, jockeys, and chimpanzee astronauts, Henderson's toddler trousers are now available wherever clothes for tiny little humans are sold. That's Henderson's makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1896. And now, back to Succotash. Uh, thank you, Bill Haywatt, our announcer. Uh, thank you, Hendersons, for continuing to uh, to sponsor Succotash. We love you. And now it's time for our other sponsor. This episode of Succotash is sponsored in part by TrumpPoetry.com, a chronological ode to a fake muse. Enjoy a rhyming spin on the news of the day every day, as well as over 500 archived daily verses thoroughly covering the White House, America, and the world with a sticky caramel coating that's impossible to remove. That's TrumpPoetry.com. Everything you need to know in rhyming couplets. TrumpPoetry.com. I believe that Tyson usually reads one or two selections from TrumpPoetry.com, so I can hardly do less. Here's selection number 741 from January 10th of this year. As measured compromise sits on the shelf, two sides dig in intractability to test the borders of civility. A government at war against itself. Both sides entrenched forever shifting wise, an image of arm-wrestling politicians, their public faces mask private ambitions, while consequences stack up to the skies. Two narratives collide, their truths in contrast, a crisis or a crisis made for show. The time of post-truth makes it hard to know, so Chuck and Nancy's no meets exit bombast. 800,000 workers in a freeze, each one a national 
emergency. Let's get back to the Soundcast action. A show that popped into Soundcast land this past year or so is armchair expert with actor Dak Shepard. Although his interviewing style is a little scattershot, I enjoy the loose informality that he has with his guests, most of whom he knows from his rambling around Los Angeles for a number of years. Just recently, he hosted Sarah Silverman for a lengthy and revealing chat. Another thing I like about Dax is he doesn't mind venturing into areas that other hosts might feel a little uncomfortable about, as in this segment where he talks to Sarah about his reaction to her sexuality. Okay, I'm, go- I'm going now all the way back to the sexuality thing because I, so I've noticed that when you're on shows, you get asked different questions than say a male comic's gonna get asked. Mm. I guess if you notice that like, and I, I'm super guilty of it. When I have been around you when I was younger, I'm very conscious of the fact that you're very attractive. Oh, I, this is the most exciting podcast interview, <laughs> honestly. I've done this is so dead true. Like you're, um, you're crazy funny. I just, uh, I'm a fan of your comedy, but you're super pretty, and so I can't stop kind of being aware of that. And I think I've always, in some way, wanted some validation from you that that extended beyond just you being funny. And I have to imagine many of the people around you have had a similar thing. And is that exhausting? Are you even aware of it? You don't seem to be aware of it. That you, I would imagine, just want to be evaluated on being funny. But Uh, there's this uh, sexual uh, component. I would say that right now in my life, I I love being objectified, you know, because it's it's thrilling at this point. I mean, (laughs) Natasha Leggero, who's brilliant. Love her. Every time I would see her. I just, the, she does something to me aesthetically that I just, my face hurts from smiling when I just see her and I look at what she's wearing and she just is, and I would just always go like, oh, I just want to eat you like a piece of candy. Like I just, I can't even take it. And at one point she goes, you know, I'm more than that. And I go, oh my God, <laughs> you're brilliant. I mean, like to me, that's such a given uh, yeah because I'm such a fan, but she also is just so aesthetically like, it just... She just does something to me chemically. Like, yeah. Like, she feels so good on my eyeballs. I completely but understand. I, I, of course, I understood when she was like, I'm, 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 you know, I'm a comedian. I'm an into, and I was just, you know, it's uh, funny uh, to me because of course. Yeah, I don't reduce me that. to just yeah, being I a. Mean it. But it is true. It's like women are just fucking demonized if they lose their looks in any way or if they. If if they try to do something to In their hand. face to try to make them look to mitigate their asshole, so yeah. there's there's it's like lose lose just by not dying. That's yeah. they are punished <laughs> yeah. by not dying and continuing to live. In that your my face is, um, I like the way I look, but I mean it's it's pointier. It's my skin is looser. Uh, I can my eyes are kind of closing a little I can feel like the my face falling off my face kind sure, of a little sure. bit and I'm trying to embrace it I mean it's it's really fascinating it's a very slow moving horror movie <laughs> and but I do think that it could have a happy ending because sometimes I go oh I'm not young and hot I don't know if that that's not my power anymore I have a different kind of power you know but I guess my point is is if I was talking to George Carlin if he was here um I would have a million questions about his comedy. I would never make him walk down a path where I talk about his looks, but 
I am so drawn to talk about your looks and I have to imagine that's nauseating. I also imagine I need to not do that. It's been a long that. time since, okay. uh, since that. It doesn't seem like it bothers you. So I remember being on Jimmy's show and, and you know, I, I love Jimmy, but we both he love said, Jimmy. um, I was wearing a football shirt or a baseball shirt. Like, is my thing at the time, you know? Like, and he goes, "Oh, you always wear a football shirt or something." And I, and I remember thinking, and I maybe I said this, but I just said, hey, "You, you know, you know what? Uh, Seinfeld always wears a button down. Oh, right. You're gonna, you're gonna come on the show. And you're gonna go. Why do you always wear a button down? You always have a button down. Right. Like it's just fucking what I'm wearing. Yeah. Like I can't imagine a guy. Like every time Adam Carolla's on your show, he wears a. A maroon button down with a black blazer. You never mention that. You don't point that out. Yeah. I guess Jay Leno's not on his show a lot, but yeah, he's always in denim on denim. That's his kind of look. Denim on denim. Um, So it hasn't, do you think being pretty though? (laughs) (laughs) I gotta stop talking about it, but I'm gonna keep talking about it. I know. Well, I'm trying to own it and work through it, and I'm trying to understand why I do it and, and just call myself out on it. But I saw this at the Groundlings. When I was going through the Groundlings, I found that the girls uh, or women that were really attractive weirdly had a harder time. Not that you're ever going to feel bad for those people, but I think it elicited some jealousy with the other female cast members. I think people that were watching the audience weren't accustomed to seeing someone pretty be very funny. Like, I think there were just weird hurdles that I noticed that I thought, oh, that's so weird. I never thought I'd be sympathetic to someone who's really attractive but in comedy it's, it can be dicey well i think what makes people funny is a survival skill that they had developed in childhood so a lot of times it was the fat kid making the fat jokes before anyone else could or the ugly you know whatever ugly is yeah. you know whatever um and so for me, I would say I was very hairy, I was very hirsute. Okay. I was very, you know, especially, you know, I was in a very blonde, strawberry blonde world. Yeah. And I was teased for that. I was a bedwetter and sent to sleepaway camp every summer. And so I had a healthy amount of adversity uh, to, to, to make me very funny. Dak Shepard has had some amazing guests on Armchair Expert. You might want to go back and check them out, such as um, Conan O'Brien and even his own wife, Kristen Bell. You can get it directly from armchairexpertpod.com or any of those other soundcastery places. You know, it's so hard to keep up with the avalanche of soundcasts, comedy and otherwise, that are sort of popping up every day. Even as someone whose job is reviewing the damn things, I'm constantly finding not just new shows, but shows that have been on for a while that completely slip beneath my radar. One of those is What a Time to Be Alive. It features three hosts, Eli Uden, Kath Barbadoro, and Patrick Monahan. And as they say in their Patreon site, it's, quote, the only podcast that counts down all the things each week that makes you say the title of the podcast, unquote. That's What a Time to Be Alive. In this clip, the trio gets giddy over the topic of nunchucks and what a ridiculous weapon it makes in the wrong hands, or sometimes even the right ones. Um... Apparently, nunchucks were illegal in New York. No one told most people that, but they were. You think most people have nunchucks in New York? Uh, Eli spends a lot of time at comic book stores. Yeah, yeah. I think I think more people than you think have nunchucks in New York. What percentage um, of people do you think have nunchucks in New York? Also, it's like um, New York Post. How about you get less your than shit 10%? together? 
you're a right professional writer. The plural is nunchaku, and you should use it. It's not numchucks, oh, bitch. Is it N-U- Are they saying N-U-M? No, but it's like, remember oh, okay. that kid that always like, numchucks? You should you know, write... Like, are you stupid? You should write them a letter. You should write a I'm letter. I'm going to write a long letter. You should just go beat somebody up with nunchucks. nunchaku. Yeah. No, nunchaku, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> use my nunchaku. Don't beat me up with nunchaku. Um... <laughs> But uh, anyways, so apparently they were illegal, but no longer because so many details of the, a federal court. So this got to pretty high. Uh, declare they they overruled the ban on nunchucks. They've they've not they've destroyed it. And the reason that it is no longer banned is not just like someone being like this doesn't seem necessary. They found it unconstitutional. It violates the beliefs of our founding fathers to ban <laughs> two sticks with a chain on them. <laughs> that is... That is what a decision of whether something's constitutional or not is. Yeah. Like, what would Ben Franklin say about this? Yeah, just yeah. Ben Franklin in bifocals think? whipping nunchucks around. <laughs> and, and, and they cited heavily to the um, the nunchuck rap from Hamilton, <laughs> oh, which I God. assume exists in Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> a brip, a brap, a nunchuck rap. <laughs> That's how it goes, brip, right? a brap. <laughs> What is this, the fucking Jabberwocky? <laughs> yeah. It's from uh, uh, the Mr. Show with the uh, <laughs> the rapping uh, Dalai Lama. <laughs> have you seen that? It's they they have a rap contest against the fat the rich fat kids camp. And, uh, this that's is Bob Odenkirk rapping. It's like a rip, a rap. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> A rip, a rap at my chamber door. <laughs> I'm the raven and I'm here to say, nevermore. <laughs> uh, uh, anyways, so, 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 uh, yeah, they, they, they got rid of the nun, the nunchuck ban and it is, it was because of the second amendment. So, which is probably closer to the original intent of that than yeah, like assault rifles. I, it's like a I militia. I, I, you know, I think there should be pretty restrictive gun control, but like you should be able to have nunchucks. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the important, the important thing about nunchucks here is that one no one knows how to use them in any lethal manner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and if you don't you know how to use them, you immediately hit yourself in the balls. Everybody knows this. You just go up and down and side to side. That's pretty much all it is. You like hold one and like wiggle the other one around it in an intimate. Maybe you say fashion. like "biah." <laughs> <laughs> Look, it'll surprise no one here to know that I have owned nunchucks as a child. <laughs> I bought them in Chinatown near a Hooters. Uh, <laughs> they were padded. They are quite difficult to use. They're padded? They were like training nunchucks. <laughs> I mean, they were cheap. Nunchucks? I snapped them in half because I hit them on my bed really hard. So whatever. Um, they weren't high quality nunchucks. <laughs> yeah, I just like imagining that, like, right to bear arms. Like, there's one guy on the Boston Tea Party just on the deck of the ship, just fucking whipping nunchucks, <laughs> like, as fast as he can. Absolutely. That was just actually. Beating the shit out of a bag of tea, like, Yeah. That was actually Crispus Attucks. That's why they had to shoot him, because he was the most dangerous. They could tell. <laughs> Crispus Attucks was doing nunchucks, and then they shot him. <laughs> Look at Indiana Jones, like, <laughs> Just shoot him in the fucking head. Oh god. All that right. reminds me of uh I we were talking about so tomorrow I'm going to a uh a wrestling show and there's a match on it that's uh fans bring the weapons so you get to bring stuff that you want the wrestlers to use. Uh-huh. And a friend a friend of mine was at a show where they announced one of those ones and someone in the audience just went gun. <laughs> 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 and the announcer was like 
No guns! <laughs> <laughs> no guns! As I mentioned, What a Time to Be Alive has a Patreon page, which you can click over to from the link on our blog site at SuckatashShow.com. You can get them a lot of other places, too. Just, just hunt around. Our final entry this episode is from a new soundcast, just three or four installments in, and it's called The Young and the Weary. Great title. And apropos... The Young is 32-year-old Jeremy Pinsley, a comedian raised in Nashville, now based in New York. The Weary is 88-year-old Dev Rogers, a former occupational therapist, an author, and a budding comedic actor from Buffalo, New York. She'll be appearing in Comedy Central's Broad City this year. As these two have gotten to know each other during uh, the first few episodes of their show, they've kind of revealed a lot, like how they each lost their virginity. Our clip, however, is from the third episode, Bad Language, and they chat about the use of dirty words in comedy. You know, you go to a nightclub, there's going to be a lot of bad language, maybe some offensive topics, but... Um, bad language is no longer bad enough. What do you mean by that? Because if you hear it often enough, it loses a lot of its electricity. It's just... Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Life becomes a big so. Did you hear this? <laughs> I life, agree with life, you. Life becomes a big so what? But you don't want to do that to your life because it lasts so long. It has to last longer. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you not? Do you think that bad language... I get that you hear it too much and it becomes... It loses its power, but do you still think it can be used to make something funnier to prove express a point more? It has to be highly selected, not just in... Not just a, a, a way of having something useful or reflexive to to fill in, because uh, an awful lot of life is like that anyway. But um, I don't go to any comedy show. I need to go to comedy We're gonna shows. We're going to take you. We're going to get you to some shows. Oh, I have um, to. And I, I, it, reminded, it reminded me of a good quote from George Carlin, because you know I think some people want no offensive language. But And he was like, you don't need it. You don't need offensive language. But he was like, you also don't need paprika. Or oregano, <laughs> but a little bit. You add a touch of it here. You know, you use it at the right time. It can actually make everything a little bit better. Yeah. So, and, and that's that why was, I, that was a that was a good analogy there. Yeah. Well, I mean, George Collin was a genius. I mean, he had his bit, the seven dirty words. Have you heard that bit? We watched it yesterday. Do you remember that one? I remember so little. <laughs> well, the seven dirty words: uh, shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Those were his seven dirty words. He made up the list himself, or he got it from somebody? He made up the list. But in, in his joke, he talks about how everyone's list is different. And that's what makes what's okay to say and what's not really hard to determine. Because what I find offensive, what's on my list, is definitely not going to be on your list. So is there anything to talk about at all? There's always something to talk about. It seems to be that the list is more important than a spontaneous expression. No, I wouldn't say the list is more important. I think it's just pointing out that, you know, what might not be offensive to you is offensive to someone else. Like, would you add any words to your list? Any other words that you don't think should be said on TV? I don't even remember your list, so how well, could I Well, what end? words shouldn't be said on TV? We'll see if they stand outside of that. What words should not be said on TV? Fuck, I think, is, is, is it. You know, the thing is, a word like fuck is sort of like a, a simple excuse. Somebody just... Uh, it's it's like you're handicapped and you need a crutch. So Totally. I think there was a lot of fuck crutches early on in my career, just using bad words as yeah. 
Well, you did, you know, but you you left that behind because you develop in a career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you develop in what kind of words you can use, and you find humor in different ways. Yeah, I still think though, when used properly, like Patton Oswalt's one of my favorite comedians, and he, he he has this bit about a sex party that he accidentally walks into, and then this guy disappears in the woods, and he calls him Fuck Squatch. As opposed to Sasquatch, he's like, oh, fuck Squatch, walking in away into the woods, never to be seen again. And on one hand, that's like really immature, but on the other hand, I'm like, you can't make that funnier than fuck Squatch. So fuck was the only word that could be used in that situation. I don't think I know the word Sasquatch. Do you know what a Sasquatch is? No, is it an umbrella? We can start Dev's Sasquatch umbrellas. <laughs> they take up two city blocks so you don't get any rain on you. <laughs> no, it's not. A, it's like a, a beast. It's like a, I guess like Bigfoot is a Sasquatch. Who's, who's Bigfoot? Uh, Bigfoot. Uh, well, no one knows if he's real, but he's like a monster, like a big, hairy, uh, mo- like mammal monster. I don't really know how to describe it. But the point is that fuck was just that like, yes, it can be a crutch. But again, when used at the right times, it enhances a joke and makes everything a lot funnier. I think the generations can certainly learn a lot from each other. And if you want to hear more of Dev and Jeremy, they have a home site at theyoungandtheweary.com. You can also subscribe to them via iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, just like us, and other places besides. Whew, I forgot how labor-intensive pull and suck attached together can be. Maybe I should think about giving Tyson a raise, especially now that he has another pair of ears to play soundcasts into. Of course, to do that, we'd need some money coming in. Remember? Donate button, Amazon banner, merch from the Succotashery. That's right. They're all available at our home site, SuccotashShow.com. And you know what? If you can't afford to give up the loot, how about just rate and review Succotash? Up on our listing at iTunes. Just look for Succotash Show doesn't cost you anything except your pride and your vanity. It has been a pleasure spending this time with you, filling in for our hiatusing Tyson Saner. I may be back for another one or two of these, but fear not. Mr. Saner will be back in the big chair before you know it. A couple of reminders before I skedaddle. If you're a comedy soundcaster and would like to hear a clip of your show on our show, stay tuned for the closing credits where our esteemed announcer, Bill Haywatt, will give you the details on how to upload your clips directly to us. The other thing I want to urge you to do, whether it's to your family, your loved ones, friends, or even enemies, is to please pass the succotash. Goodbye. You've been listening to Succotash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your substitute host, executive producer, Mark Mershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants, TrumpPoetry.com, and... Imagine your company's name right here. Yes, find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, on YouTube, on SoundCloud, and on... (laughs) The Laughable App. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at SuccotashShow. Email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212 you can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us by using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you slash succotash 
Production of Suckatash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our regular host is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. That's me. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash. Goodbye.